This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Psalm 85, and it's a prayer for the Lord to restore favor to the land. It is a it is a very interesting psalm because it, he is very direct in his speaking to God. It's one of the sons of Kor that wrote it, and it is it, it it speaks directly of what God has done. It speaks of what God is doing, and then there's a request for. Uh, the future. There's uh, seeking God out for the future, which ultimately is how we should always approach God. We all should always should, when we approach God, remember the things God has done for us. I think that that is a, a it's a steadfast thing that we we should always remember. And when we seek out God, when we when we think about God, we need to think about two things for sure. We need to think about His sovereign and His and, and remember that He He alone is in control and He alone. Uh, has the authority. And then we need to remember the things that he's done because those remind us of his character. Those remind us of his nature and they help us put perspective on the things that we're going to deal with him about. And giving that proper perspective allows you to search out God in his truth because the perspective of God's actual character and nature is very important to, to figuring out God's will and God's direction in the situation that you're going in. So he says, Lord, you have faith, you, you have been favorable to your land. And notice he is equating the land and the place where the people of, uh, where his people are living with his people. And he's, which means he's equating, we call that the promised land. And he is equating the blessings of God. He's equating God's blessings actually with the land and with his people. And and so is God's blessings and his purposes tied to his people? And the real uh, question when you think through that is, is are, are his people equally tied to his will and his, God's obviously tied to his will and to his blessings, but are you? He says, you have brought back the captive of Jacob. Notice you brought back the captivity of Jacob, which means he goes all the way back to God delivering you from the world or Egypt being a picture of the world, delivering Jacob from Egypt. And so is that remembrance of God's deliverance and God's ability to deliver, to deliver us from our sin, to deliver us from the world's clutches to deliver us from the issues that, that so easily bind us up, to deliver us from the physical situations that seem uh, like they control everything. He, he says, you have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. Notice there's a payment for the sin of his people and it has been they have been released from not only from the penalty of sin, 
but they've been released from the actual iniquity of sin. They've been released from the the captive captivity that sin keeps us in. We no longer have to be. We know we only choose to be under the control of our sin, and sin can control us. He says, you have covered all their sin. You've handled it. He says, you have taken away your wrath. Notice, once the sin is removed, there is no more wrath. And it's, and, and when God removes his sin from and cast it as far as uh, the east is from the west, when he remembers it against us no more, when that happens, then his wrath toward us is gone. That is a very important principle. Often to teach young people, young fathers and mothers, I, I believe in discipline and when necessary, and, and necessary means when it's direct rebellion or willful disobedience, I do believe in corporal punishment. But corporal punishment needs to be for the purpose of correction, not the purpose of wrath. And so I always say, if you're angry, you need to uh, step back for a moment and take some time because what, you, what you're doing with punishment is you're trying to bend the will of the child away from, especially if you use a corporal punishment, away from wrath. I mean, away from willful disobedience, meaning they knew they should not or they knew to do or not to do a certain thing and they willfully disobeyed or they were just disrespectful of your who you are as their parent. And those two things, the reason you say, why those two? Because those two things will lead a child into some very dangerous lifestyle choices when they become older and teenagers. Willful disobedience of parents' instructions, teachers' instructions, law enforcement instructions, willful disobedience of the law, willful disobedience of community standards, willful disobedience in that way will cause a person to become a pariah in the community and oftentimes engage in criminal disobedience. What follows with that is, and you can see this at play in the world we live in today, what follows from that is a, a uh, disrespect for the governing authorities that are in our lives, whether that be and when I say governing, I'm not talking about the institution of government. I'm talking about the authorities that God has placed over us, which are the government, but it's also maybe our bosses, maybe our, our pastors, maybe it, it could also be, it could also be law enforcement. And you can just think of, you can think of all kinds of places where that disrespect of authority ultimately leads into a person not being able to find uh, gainful employment not being able to be around people who can help them become better people because they don't uh, respect the governing authorities over them. And those two mindsets or really those two character traits in a person willing to be willful disobedience and, and disrespect for any authority over them ultimately leads to anarchy and destruction of a person's life. Understanding that when you're disciplining a child for those two things, that need, that has to be cut off quickly in a child. And it's not, you're not cutting that off because you're angry with them. You're cutting that off because that is definitely 100% in the child's best interest that they learn to be under rightful authority. Now, I'm not talking about wrongful authority. I'm not talking about being subject to wrongful authority or, or those who are acting wrongly in their position of authority but being subject to authority and being obedient 
to rules and law is a very important principle that a, and a character trait that a child has to learn. It is almost 100% necessary. And some children are very strong-willed and they were not going to do it. Other children are very compliant with that. But they need to learn that. Why? Because it will bless them. It will open doors to them. It'll put them in positions to be to be honored and, and promoted and pushed forward in life. Whereas if they don't have that, they will struggle for position and place in life. And so <clears throat> when you're trying to get rid of that in a child, you cannot do it with wrath. You can't be angry. You're trying to get something out of a child. It's, 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 it's like pulling a giant splinter out of their foot. You, you can't pull that splinter out and be angry with them at the same time. You got to focus on the splinter and not focus on their reaction to it and be upset about it. God is our best example of that. God, when he's dealing with his children, which are, which are us, when he's dealing with us, he, he is not dealing with us in wrath. And that is an important principle, especially when we <clears throat> on Thursday night when we're looking at the book of the Revelation, because God is not going to deal with his... Now, does he deal with the world with wrath? Absolutely, because the world's not going to submit to his will. The world is against his will. Does he deal with the devil and wrath? Yes. The fallen angels and wrath? Yes. Does he deal with lost, those who are in rebellion against him with wrath? Yes, because they're never going to choose. They're not going to choose his will or his way. But with his children, he doesn't, he never take, deals with us in anger or wrath. He, do, he doesn't do that. And the reason he doesn't do that is he's dealing with the sin. He's dealing with the flaw in our character. He's not dealing with us and who we are and his relationship with us directly. He's not angry with us anymore. The sin, as far as its penalty and its effect, has been removed. Now he's trying to get its residue or what is left and what is causing us trouble out of our lives. And so when he says, you have taken away your wrath in verse three, and you've turned from the fierceness of your anger, when he says that, he is... That is real important to understand that God is not mad with me. He's not angry at me, angry with me. God is the best life coach. God is the closest of confidant and friend. God is the one who is willing to say the hard things to me. God's the one who is willing to, to go the extra mile to fix my deepest and most concerning problem. And the reason he is because he no longer is angry or upset with me about what I'm doing or how I'm acting. He's not that, he's not. What he's trying to do is he's trying to fix my problem, which is a whole different perspective on things. He's trying to help me. And the way he helps me is he teaches me to walk in his way, and he teaches me to reject in the ways that I naturally stumble and fall over my sin. He, he teaches me how to navigate my life in such a way that I don't stumble and fall. He says, restore, to restore us, O God of your salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. What, notice he's saying, restore us and your anger to cease toward us. Don't let that happen. Will you be angry with us forever? And that's the thought we have when we're really struggling with sin and dealing with the consequences of our sin. We think that God's angry with us. 
We do. We think God's just mad with me. That idea in my life over the last couple of decades has slowly dissipated. I never see God as angry with me. I oftentimes see him in a way that's not uh, <clears throat> biblical either. I see him as disappointed. God is not disappointed with me either. He's not angry with me and he's not disappointed with me. And the reason God's not disappointed with me and he can't be disappointed with me is because in order to be disappointed, you had to have some a certain expectation and then I didn't meet that expectation. God has not does not have an expectation of me other than reality. <laughs> I mean, God knows all things, so his expectation of me is perfectly real. He, it, he has a 100% true expectation of me. And what that means is he knows me intimately and he knows how I'm going. Some people deal with God and they think God's angry with them. Some people like me foolishly think that God uh, is disappointed with me. He's not angry with you and he's not disappointed with you. God is consistently, constantly at work in your life to change who you are so that you might be like him, but also that you might experience the wonder and the joy and the goodness of his character and his nature. He wants you to experience what it is to be him. He wants you that, he wants that for you. And so he's not angry and he's not disappointed. He said, your anger, will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your, ang prolong your anger to all generations? What do you think? Are you gonna be mad with me forever? Are you always going to be mad with me? If you'll notice, there's a tinge of, there's a tinge of, I hate to say it, but this writer is very childish in, in, in his approach to God. And I think that's a direct reflection of us. I think we're all that way with God. Are you going to be mad with me? Are you still mad with me? That, you notice there's a tinge of childishness in that. No, God's not angry with you. No, God's not disappointed with you. Yes, God is at work on you. So quit focusing on something that's not, and let's focus on something that is so that we might mature through the process. He says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And, they, and he's keeping, he's asking God, are you going to revive us? Are you going to, are you going to uh, breathe the life into us. If he hadn't breathed the life into us at the first, we would not even know that we needed the, the reviving. So obviously, yes, he's not started a work in us so that he, so that he's not going to finish it. He has started a good work and he's going to carry it to completion. He says, uh, show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Okay, are, are we willing to work with him in the process? I think when I see God's people really willing to seek him out and work and be worked upon and allow God to really change our hearts and our minds toward his perfect and pleasing will, his, his direct will for us, boy, we're in a good position. He says, I, he, I will hear what, the, what, the God, what God the Lord will speak. Notice, I'm, I'm hearing, I wanna, I wanna hear what he has to say. First step, tune your ears toward him. He says, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. He's gonna speak peace to us, which means notice peace with who? Peace with him. There's not a separation between us and him anymore. The sin has been removed. There is no wrath. There is no disappointment. 
and there is just peace between us. He says, I will hear what God, the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But to let them not turn back to folly, meaning just because we've gotten things right with God doesn't mean we continue to turn back to our sin, turn back to our own folly, to our own foolishness. He says, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, to those who put him in the proper position. There's nothing to fear in the world. There's nothing to fear in creation, but God is to be feared because he is so much immensely more than we could ever imagine. And we're so small compared to him. Now, the fear of the Lord uh, does not remove the relationship. The fear of the Lord is putting God in a proper perspective in the way we deal with life so that we deal with him and see him in the right way, in the way that actually is true and exists. He said, mercy, ha uh, mercy and truth have met together. Notice we can have mercy. We can have his mercy, which means we receive what uh, uh, we deserve. We, we deserve uh, sin. We deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve wrath. And we don't receive it. We, we don't get it. Mercy and truth come together with God. His truth changes us and his mercy removes the penalty and the payment of that sin from us. He says, righteousness and peace have kissed. And remember, righteousness by faith, a righteous, we, anytime you think of righteousness, being right with God, that comes by faith. Anytime you think of obedience, you think of faith. It, it's, those are key terms when righteousness and obedience always need to be matched with uh, trusting God in faith, being faith, being a people that be are faithful to Him. And when He says, when He says, uh, righteousness and peace have kissed. That's a righteousness by faith, and and it makes us at peace with God. And they have come together intimately. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Notice. All the good things are going to spring from his creation when we're right with him. He says, yes, the Lord will give what is good. Our land will yield its increase, meaning the, the reason for us being where we're at and why we're doing what we're doing is going to come about. The promises of God are going to be abundant. The promised land, and it's going to notice it says it's, it will yield, its yield will increase. It's going to become more and abundant. And uh, the Lord will give us what is good. Righteousness will go before him. God's goodness and his righteousness are going to go out before him. They're going to walk before. We're going to be a people of faith before him and shall make his footstep our pathway. And God is leading us in a path. He, that This verse 13 is very similar uh, to other places in scriptures where it says God orders the steps of the. It means that as we learn to walk in his way, he, he orders those steps. He takes us down a path, our own unique path, the path that first starts through Jesus. He's the gate. He's the only way through. No, there's no other way in. But once we get through the gate, who is Jesus, our path of life slowly meanders toward him. And he places us on good footing and he orders our steps so that we might navigate through this life in this world that we have individually and that we might come to a place where we're before him, perfect and complete. And uh, and that's the plan of God. And I love, as you just go through 
of the Bible. Over and over, God is teaching you that same those same ideas in different ways, with different stories, with different ideas, that way of relationship with him, that way of turning from our own ways and choosing his ways, that, that idea of, of us being perfectly and completely united with that's the plan of God and that's the work of God in our lives. And it's good to see that happening with us as a, a church. It's good to see that happening individually. And I see that happening in the lives of those around, around us that are, are hungry for uh, God's word and God's truth. It is good to see people hunt for the word of God because this dry and barren land that we live in, who has lost its way in many ways, needs a people hungry for God's word because where God's word is, God's best is. And where God's best is, there's hope and life. And what a great psalm uh, to start the day and to seek out God's and and, and, and God's will uh, for us today. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.